Welcome to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. What's up, y'all? Oh, what an honor and a privilege to be here in this house and to be worshiping together in this room. And uh, as uh, I'll talk about y'all in a minute, as Pastor Stephen said, it's my task to uh, introduce you the rest of the family. Um, first of all, I'll start with my, my uh, nephew, um, Bo. He's in the front row right here. That is, that is my nephew right there. And he and I have a wonderful relationship. I pet him and he comes. And, uh, but also uh, his mommy and daddy, um, <laughs> my sister-in-law Vanessa, and also Ryan, her fiancé. Uh, also Rebecca. Rebecca's here as well. All the Rosemary's children are coming up in the house here. And uh, so... It's just amazing. And then I want to introduce my family. We're all here at once. Um, this is a, a rare occasion. Um, I was thinking about the last time that happened. Uh, we were all together in the room at the same time. Uh, well, we were in Houston, actually, together just a couple weeks ago. I was ministering there in uh, our, our Houston family's church there. And they got a wonderful church um, in Alvin, Texas, and uh, but just first of all, my wife of 23 years, Marlena is here. You got to stand up, wave to everybody. And then our old eldest daughter, Haley, and she got married. So I have to introduce to you not just Haley, but also her husband, Haley, and or Gabriel and Haley. Trevino, and so they're here. Stand up, y'all. Gabriel is from, from Texas, and, uh, and his mother, Sylvia Trevino, is here as well. Stand, stand up, Sylvia. And she came out for the festivities. And then my only begotten son, um, in whom I am well pleased, we gave the kid a name, and, uh, and it's... Well, here, my father's, my father's name is David Ray, and he got, his father's name was Ray, and then, uh, then they named me Patrick David after my father, and, uh, and so we just went for the whole gamut with him. We just named him Zachary Patrick David Kitely, and uh, so uh, the one and only right here, just turned 19 this last week, and, uh, and then our baby girl, Hope, she turned 12. And uh, she's here as well. Can you give me that monitor back a little bit so I don't holler my voice out? Okay, that's great. Um, but, um, yes. Yeah, I got a water here. Yes, thank you. I got my, Pastor, Pastor Portia bought me the bougie vase. And uh, this is not plastic. This is glass. And so we can, you know, take it to somebody's head. But no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But uh, it's just an honor and privilege to be here in the house of the Lord. And uh, I love this place, and I love what God is doing. And I love the pastors of this house, Pastor Stephen and Portia. 
And um, I just honor them, thank God for them. Um, in my travels, um, I got to about three weeks ago, I think it was somewhere around there, uh, arrive in New Jersey at Uncle Eric's church. Uncle Eric Butler, if you know Eric Butler, that's my uncle. And uh, you have to see the resemblance and, um, <laughs> in the family. And so we got to actually with Pastor Stephen and Portia minister together. That was fun uh, for their 30th anniversary celebration. Um, and then we all went to the next week to Portland, Oregon. It was 116 degrees. And we were at a church that uh, uh, was celebrating their 100th anniversary. And, um, and so I came there, and I said, who are the other speakers? You know, because they had about five or six services lined up, and they said, you're the only speaker. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. What an assignment. But, uh, but I woke up this morning, Pastor Stephen Portia, and I just saw the river in this house, and I saw the trees along the river as far as the eye could see. And the trees represent the saints and if you read Ezekiel chapter 47, you know, there's trees that go along the river. And the Scripture says about them that they bear fruit every month. And so what happens is, is what normally takes 12 months, because they're connected to the river, all of a sudden there's an acceleration of harvest. And so what used to take 12 now takes one. Come on, somebody. And... So can I, can I give somebody a prophetic word? What used to take 12 months, we're in a time of acceleration in the earth. Things are moving quickly. And, 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 and I'm telling you, there's going to be an acceleration. I mean, in, in, in what you spend in your time, in your energy, in your resources, God said what took 12 now takes one. And, uh, and so I just, saw the, I just saw the river in this house and uh, the, the trees were just lined up as far as the eye can see, left and right. Everywhere I was looking, they're full of fruit. And so it's very important to understand that, like David said in Psalm chapter 1, that, you know, I'm a tree that's planted by a river, and I'm going to bear fruit in my season. Then you flip over to Jeremiah, and you realize Jeremiah says, and, and when the heat comes, they won't even know that it's there. And they're going to bear fruit in every season. Their leaf will always remain green. And, uh, and there's, so there's something about being by the river. There's something about being in the atmosphere of life. There's something about being in the presence of God. And you can come into the presence of God and, uh, and, 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 and be dead as a stick. But that's what happened with Aaron's rod in Numbers chapter 17 and verse 8. A A Moses put Aaron's rod by the ark. And overnight, it turned it all of a sudden, the four processes of, sea, of, of the harvest all of a sudden took place. And it, from a dead stick, it bloomed and it blossomed and it brought forth ripe fruit. I got to talk to somebody up in here. Because what happened overnight, what takes months overnight, all of a sudden, all of a sudden in the presence. Come on, somebody. In the pre There's something about the presence of God. There's something about the glory of God that causes an acceleration to take place in your life. Somebody in this room say amen. amen. Somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. Somebody lift your hand and say praise the Lord. Somebody say shoot. Okay. All right. I just want to honor also, since we're doing this online, uh, my, my, my parents are watching, uh, Dr. Uh, David and Marilyn Kitely, and uh, 
thank God for, for them and uh, also all the people. I have people texting me during the service, just watching all over the country. God bless you. And uh, those that are watching online, um, you should be jealous because we're in here and there is a thick cloud that's moving in this room right now. And it's the glory of the Lord. But it'll, it'll go over the airwaves, you know. You'll get a little taste of it. It's okay. Our cup runs over. But um, <laughs> um, I, I was just, at the end of that service, I was, because they were in the blood. I mean, they were just in the, that was, y'all just messed me up. I mean, that was just, just so powerful. There's power in the blood. And then I started hearing Mahalia Jackson started because I was thinking about just the journey, you know, and uh, how many sometimes think about the journey? Well, Portia always loved to sing, when I think of his goodness and what he's done for me, it makes me want to shout. It makes me want to clap. It makes me want to dance. And uh, there's something, when you start thinking about the journey, you start thinking, and then you start thanking, and when you learn how to start thanking, then you start thriving. Somebody's alive up in here. And, uh, and so I was just, I just hear, heard, you know, that, that just, and, and you know, you can hear Aretha sing it too, but, but uh, there's something when, when Mahalia, just that deep, you know, that back in the day, you know, how I got over, how I got over, how I got over, my soul looks back and it wonders how I got over. There's sometimes you have to, you have to stop for a minute. You know, we could be moving full force forward, but sometimes you got to stop and say, law. And you got to look back and say, you know what? Thank you, Jesus, for the good. Thank you, Jesus, for the bad. Thank you, Jesus, for the ugly. Come on, thank you, Jesus, for the storms. Thank you, Jesus, for the calm. Thank you, Jesus, for the mountaintops. Thank you, Jesus, for the valley. Sometimes you got to stop and you got to say thank you. You got to say thank you, and 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 you got to you got to thank him for everything that he's done because. Because he's up to something big, and so you realize when, when, I, when, I, when I look back, I thank him, and when I look forward, I trust him. Two people are alive in here. Okay. Um, there's something because, you know, when you get into the atmosphere of a presence like this, the atmosphere of God's presence, we're not just singing songs, but God's doing business, and there's spiritual downloads that are taking place that... And that's what we're going to talk about this morning because, you know, sometimes what we come in seeking for is not necessarily what we find. How many know what I'm talking about? But, 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 but what you do find is something you didn't know you needed. And so, and so you're, you, you come in and you're sitting there going, God, I'm asking you to do this, do this. And he's like, huh, well, let's just put that to the side here for a second. I actually need to do this, this, and this before I get to that. Two people know what I'm talking about. And I'm giving some sense to your seasons right now because you're sitting here going, God, I'm praying for this. I'm focused on this. And God says, well, I'm laying this line upon line, precept upon precept. I'm lining things up in your life so that when you get this, you're not going to forfeit it. When you get this, you're not going to be shipwrecked. When you arrive at this, you will be able to handle it properly and, and not misuse it or abuse it. Come on, somebody. And so God says, God, God all of a sudden says, now you're qualified. Two people are alive up in here. He says, you're qualified because the Lord has quantified the quality of your quandary. 
See, some of you have been working with so little for so long that you are now uh, uh, qualified to do the impossible with the inadequate. And so, and so I got, I sometimes get these rhymes. And the Lord took me back to an old school one that I had back in the day. Just to set the tone for this room. He that has an ear, let him hear it. We're about to encounter the Holy Spirit. He's coming like a wind. He's coming like a wave, like the day of Pentecost. He comes to bring change called awakening, revival, refreshing, renewal. We're about to go back to the Holy Spirit school to meet the infiller, the instiller, the indweller, the one who inspired the world's bestseller, the Bible, and now he brings revival to Encounter Church. And so with freshness, with life, with power, with light, he comes in this time to make the wrong right, to, what did I say, to lift to new heights, to give a new fight, to make everyone filled with might, every red, brown, yellow, black, and white, come on somebody, person, the third person of the triune God. He's the paraclete. He's the helper. He's the comforter. He's the anointer. He's the Holy Ghost who will do the most to get you to boast. He's the Lord of hosts. He's the Holy Spirit. Does somebody in this room hear it? Somebody say, I hear it. Okay, okay. I got a notion that all of that commotion was the necessary motion for your upcoming promotion. So there's this rabbi in the 1700s. His name is Zusha. And they asked him a question. They said, when you get to heaven, what's going to happen? And he said, well, when I get into the heavenly courtroom, they're not going to ask me, Zusha, why were you not Moses? They're going to ask me, Zusha, why were you not Zusha? You see, I believe God's bringing his church into a time frame with all the things that are happening in the earth where all of a sudden we're going to come into our own and step into our place and be the church that God has intended for this hour. And be the Joel 2 army where the scripture says, blow a trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. There's something about an army where the scripture says that the, the voice of the Lord, it goes before them. And so we don't make a step, we don't make a move unless we step into the voice. That's what Peter did when he stepped out of the boat. He didn't step onto water. He stepped onto a word when he asked Jesus, should I come? And Jesus said, come. And so he didn't step on water. He stepped on come. Come on, somebody. He stepped on a word. He stepped on the voice. And there's an army that is going forth in this hour who's going to move with the voice who are going to understand what it means to, to, to move with the voice of God and to hear the voice of God and to live by the voice of God and to live in the presence of God and to understand what it means to live in the glory of God and that the glory of God can work not only up in here, 
on Sunday when we all meet and gather, but the glory and the presence of God comes wherever we go. Wherever you go, you are a carrier of the anointing. You are a part of the army of God. And everywhere you go, come on somebody, he is there. And when he is there and when he shows up, anything can happen. What is impossible with man all of a sudden becomes possible with God. And so I don't care about no COVID or no cancer or no HIV or any other disease. When the power of God shows up, anything can happen. The blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the lame walk, because God is in the room. God is in your life. And so when he shows up, when you show up, when you show up, he shows up. And so you need to understand, when you show up, somebody say, when I show up, he shows up. And so then all of a sudden, there's another understanding of when you walk into the room, everything changes. Because you're a carrier of anointing. You have the prophetic word of God in your mouth. And so when you step into any environment, anything that comes in the proximity of the glory of God that is on your life, come on, I'm talking to somebody here, is going to be changed and transformed. And nothing from hell can stop it. Can somebody say it's a setup? Okay, turn with me in your Bibles or your phones. I'm going to deal with something here today that I feel deeply in my spirit. And I called my father back in Atlanta. He had just watched our pastor baptize a few hundred people at Free Chapel. Pastor Jensen was baptizing people all morning in all the services. And so I called him. I said, I'm feeling this thing from Daniel chapter 3. He said, go with it. I have a relationship with my father that has always been very unique. And that is one thing I've learned, even from a young age, I really don't try to make any major decisions in my life without wisdom. But when I have wisdom, as Solomon told his son, it's the principal thing. Buy it, tie it around your neck, bind it around your neck, because it's going to protect you. It's going to keep you. And so I have this relationship. We talk probably four or five times a day, and we're walking through an interesting season right now. Um, And uh, it's a good season, but it's kind of like one of those things like everything is up in the air. And I'm like, God, why are you doing this? Because I'm speaking to you and through you to a company of people in the earth right now where it seems like everything is up in the air. I got a witness up in here. And and, and so it's like, okay, sometimes God has to allow you, and you see it through the prophet Jeremiah, you see it through the prophet Ezekiel. You see see the story where God allows them to actually uh, prophetically experience what God is going to do in this time frame. And so they don't just prophesy or speak the word of the Lord from an outside place, but actually they are a storyteller who are telling stories from within the story. 
And so they're in a place where they're in the inside, and they, when they speak, it's not a, a word that is spoken from somebody from the outside, but somebody who's actually in the middle of it. And so there is an acquaintance with grief, and there's an acquaintance with sorrow, and there's an acquaintance with the journey that the God allows his prophets to experience so that when they prophesy the word of the Lord, there is another level of authority that they're walking in because it's not again from the outside, but it's by experience. And so sometimes you sit there and you say, well, I want to be a prophet. I don't think so. Because if you, if, you, if you step into the prophetic mantle and you begin to move in that place, guess what? You're going to have to live out a few things. Hosea the prophet. Ezekiel the prophet. Jeremiah the prophet. You're going to have to, Isaiah, you're going to have to live out a few things. And so, and so, and so that's what God's raising up in this hour. I want to read Daniel. I'm, I, have, I, have a, I, have a, I want to jump into this quickly because I have a lot of verse to read. Because I need to, to, to drive something home here in this room, and then we're just going to, we're going to read the scripture, we're going to make a prophetic declaration, we're going to pray, and then share the story, and then see what happens. Two people? Okay, is that good? I, I, I feel an unction to function at this junction right now. There's, a, there's an anointment up in here. And so, and so I'm going to deal with I'm going to deal with this thing called, uh, it's a setup. It's a setup. And I'm dealing with a battle of gods, little G's, trying to have a showdown with the G-O-T. Yeah, you know me. And so I'm going to read from Daniel. And you have to make me feel like I'm at home because everywhere I go in the world, I make people stand because I, 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 I tell them, I said, there's, there's something about... Uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, when people stood for the reading of the word, and when they stood for the reading of the word, they, they shouted amen. That's where amen started in the Bible, was in Nehemiah chapter 8. Sometimes i got to come here and preach that verse because there's a people who were born in the gap. You see, today I'm talking today about a group of people who were born in Judah, but they were born for Babylon. But then in Nehemiah chapter 8, there's another company that God raises up that were actually born in Babylon, but they were born for Judah. And it's Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, Zerubbabel, Joshua, company of people who God raises up who were born in Babylon, but they were born for Judah, and they were born to restore two things, city life and temple life, and they work together. You cannot have them separate. You cannot just do city life. And you cannot just do temple life. They go together. And so they had assignments. They were coming out of Babylon, and they were stepping back into Judah, and they said, we have a mandate to restore the city and to restore the temple. And, and, and so it's powerful. But, but I'm flipping it the other way, and there was a company of people who were born in Judah. Somebody say praise. praise. Somebody put your hands together and say praise. Because somebody on the count of three shouted out and say praise the Lord. Let everything that hath breath, let everything that hath breath, let everything that hath breath, praise ye the Lord. You got to go nuke King James on everybody. But I'm, I'm dealing with a company of people who were born in praise, but born for confusion. Everything's up in the air. 
So it says in Daniel chapter 3, we're reading verses 1 through 7 and then 13 through 18. And this is a very tedious scripture to read aloud, let alone silently. But I'm setting something up. Is that okay? Are, you, are, are all the kids in the room ready to read? It says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king made an image of gold, I need to hear your voices, whose height was 60 cubits, there you go, and it's width six cubits. He set it up. Wait a second, wait a second, what did it say? He, what did he do? He, he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all of the officials of the province. Stop right there. What was he gathering? He was gathering the business mountain and the government mountain and the education mountain. Can I talk to somebody up in here? And the media mountain and the arts and entertainment mountain. And he's bringing them all together because this is a setup. And so it says, to come to the dedication of the image, read aloud, with King Nebuchadnezzar had set. Verse 3. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all of the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had. He had. What did he do? He had. He had set up. This is a setup. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had. It's a setup. Next verse, verse 4. Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud to you, it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has. He has what? He, what did he do? He, he set it up. Somebody say, it's a setup. Verse 7, so, it says in verse 7, so at that time, somebody say at that time, go to verse 7, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre in symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshiped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had. He what? It was a, it is a, can you look at somebody beside you and tell them it is a, it's a setup. It's a setup. Now go to verse 13, verse 13. This is a lot of verse to read, I know. Sometimes you need to read your Bible. <laughs> read your Bible and pray every day. And you'll grow, grow, grow. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 
So they brought these men before the king. Verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have, which I have, which I have? It's a setup. Somebody say, it's a setup. Verse 15, now, if you're ready, if you're ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning fiery furnace and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands verse 16 Shadrach Meshach and Abednego answered and said to the king oh Nebuchadnezzar this is when you got to get an attitude when you're reading And you got to get your Dikembe Matumbo finger up and say, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If, verse 17, that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. Verse 18, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve, which you have, which you have, somebody say, it's a setup. Lift your hands to heaven, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity to read your word. We know that you come in the volume of the book because it is written of you. And so today, Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that you're in this room already moving in this place. You're breathing life into this room. You're breathing life into families, into marriages. You're breathing life into visions and to dreams. You're breathing life right now, Lord God, into people who've been discouraged. They've been depressed. They've been confused. You're breathing life into this place. You've breathed life into the nostrils of man, and man became a living soul. And we thank you that same breath that raised up Ezekiel's bones, that same breath that was in the upper room in Acts chapter 2 is in this place breathing right now in Jesus' name. And somebody said, okay, don't sit down. Get your prophetic bony finger out and look at somebody in the eye and point to them and tell them if you really really, really knew what God is taking you to, then you would be able to rest in what you're presently going through because God is going to do what he said he was going to do. I said God is going to do what he said he's going to do. Be seated if you can. I said God is going to do what he said he was going to do. If you really, really, really knew 
what God is taking you to, then you would be able to rest in what you're presently going through because God, I said God is going to do what he said he's, he's, he's going to do. If he said it, he means it. If he said it, he's going to back it up. When he sends out his word, it does not return to him void, but he watches over his word to perform it, to see it come to pass. And so we flip to Philippians 1, 6, and we say, he who has begun a good work in you is faithful to complete it and perfect it until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. We flip over to Psalm 138, 8, and we realize that he will perfect all that concerns me. It's been said that before there ever is a great awakening, there is a rude awakening. Somebody's alive up in here. And sometimes God is in the business where he wants us to get it. I believe we're in the moment where lights are turning on. We're in a time frame where God's people are having aha moments. And we realize that all of this has led, all of that, excuse me, has led to this, where this moment contains all moments. And I realize why God allowed me, graced me, gave me the opportunity to go through what I have gone through. Because I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily like how I got here. But when I start thinking about it, Come on, somebody. I like it right here. I don't like how, but I like it right here. In fact, this is amazing. Now, when you look at the scripture, let me just go to the story because um, it's for somebody in this room, somebody online. You look at the story and you realize that there was a name, guy named King Nebuchadnezzar. How many have heard that name before? How many can spell it? How many can say it? There's some amazing names in the Bible like Mephibosheth. Come on, somebody. We have another one, Nebuchadnezzar. He came to rule in Babylon. He's actually Nebuchadnezzar Jr. When you look in history, he's Nebuchadnezzar II. And he came to rule. He was 25 years of age. Can I give you a little background for a second? And he was what we would call a warrior king. You know, it's amazing how you have kings who will stand on the sidelines and bark out orders and, you know, tell the army what to do, but they're stay safe on the hill, protected. But Nebuchadnezzar was not that type of king. He was the first one on the battlefield, and he was a warrior king, and he was a tyrant, and he conquered lands, and he conquered kingdoms, and when you look at him in, in history, he was a very wicked man. He killed People. He was bloodthirsty, and he was, he was a cold-blooded killer, and he would, literally peoples and nations and cities were afraid of Nebuchadnezzar. He put fear, I'm talking about at 25 years of age, he started this conquest, and, and in fact, you realize that the Philistines, I'll just give you a little history, the Philistines are what you would call the non-Israelites of the promised land. There were two companies of people in the promised land. There were the Israelites of the promised land, and there were the non-Israelites of the promised land. Neither one of them were from Canaan. But the Philistines, the Philistines, they, they have a very mirrored history with the nation of Israel, where, in fact, when Israel was taken down 
into Pharaoh to Egypt for 400 years, you realize in history that the Philistines were also down in Egypt as slaves to Pharaoh at the same time. And around the same time that Israel got out of Egypt, the Philistines came back and occupied also. And so you have this nemesis nation that was always, uh, you know, behind Israel, always fighting Israel, always putting, you know, they were a thorn in their side. And, and, and when it came time for, for Israel to go into captivity into Babylon, can I just give you a little history lesson? Keep going here. Also at the same time, the Philistines were taken down to Babylon. But it's interesting because when Babylon was over after 70 years, Israel went back to Jerusalem and to Mount Zion, but the Philistines are never mentioned again in history. Nebuchadnezzar was so ruthless, he was such a tyrant that there is an entire group of people who do not exist any longer in history. They're never mentioned again in history. The land is called Palestine. It's connected to the name Philistine. But Nebuchadnezzar really just took them off the face of the map. But he went around and he collected the best of the best. He went around and he collected the top minds of the nations, the youth of the nation. And what he wanted to do was to acclimate them and to re-educate them in the language and the literature and the history of Babylon. And he was, he was into this, this mode. It's amazing. We live in an hour right now where there is a re-education, a Babylonian re-education that's going on in the earth right now. You hear what I'm saying? And, and, and so we have to be careful because they will change your name. And that, 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 that changes your identity. And then all of a sudden they change your language. And that could change your praise. Can I talk to somebody up in here? Because you, all of a sudden you've become acclimated. You've become one with the society. And, and this, is what, this is what Nebuchadnezzar was all about. He's not just out to steal, kill, and destroy. He actually wants you not just to move into a place of, of tolerance. He wants to bring you to a place where, where he, he actually acclimates you and you become and you believe like he believes and you do as he does. There's two amens. Okay. That's all right. The angels are saying amen up in here. But he would go and he would destroy temples, he would take treasures, and he would collect the elite. But I love it because Nebuchadnezzar's not in charge. Nebi, you're not in charge. Because you look in Jeremiah chapter 25, for some of you who love to take Bible notes, and verse 9, or you look in Jeremiah chapter 27 and verse 6, and Jeremiah actually prophesies about Nebuchadnezzar, and he actually is called by the Lord. The Lord prophesies through him. He calls him Nebuchadnezzar, my servant. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar, says the Lord, is my servant. And I'm going to use him to fulfill my purposes in the earth. Now, when you look in the Old Testament, can I just drop a couple things more on you? When you look in the Old Testament, you realize that battles, fights, warfare um, in the Old Testament was not based on, battles were not based on army versus army. They were not based on nation versus nation or even brother versus brother. Battles in the Old Testament always were about God versus God. 
See, I'm in 2021 speaking a prophetic word into the Bay Area right now. And the whole thing was about whose God is greater? Whose God is bigger? Whose God is stronger? Can I talk to somebody up in here? Whose God is more powerful? Whose God is more proficient? Whose God is more potent? And so in the Old Testament, you realize that when battles went on, opposing sides would first go to their God to seek counsel and to receive favor so they went into battle that they would win the war. Can I talk to you here? And so that's how it worked. And so you go to Daniel chapter 3 and you realize that, that, that God doesn't work that way. There is no God like Jehovah. Can I talk to somebody up in here? He's not different. He's, he's different than any other little G-O-D that's out there. Because when you look in, in, in the Bible, you understand when you go to Exodus chapter 20 and you go to Mount Sinai where God begins to drop the Ten Commandments upon Moses, you get to commandment number two. And in commandment number two, God says, you will have no graven images. Can I talk to somebody up in here? You will have no graven images. There will be no graven images. And so they actually broke that because when Moses came down the mountain, he comes down the mountain, he looks, and and Joshua says, I hear a sound of war in the camp. And he looks, and they took all the wealth transfer because they didn't know how to use the wealth transfer. And they turned it into a golden calf. And they actually said, this is God, little G-O-D. But if you read it in the Hebrew, actually, they actually said this is, you read it in the Hebrew, it says this, they called it, this is Yahweh. And so they didn't know how to handle the wealth transfer. God, give us the ability to handle the wealth transfer. But but, 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 but here in this this scripture, you realize that that we have, or in this, this idea, you realize that With God, he was not going to allow an image to ever be created of him. You have no graven images before me. I don't want you to be able to create, come on somebody, with your mind and your intellect an image of me. I can't be seen. The only time God has ever been seen is he is the, Jesus, he is the, the image of the invisible God. But God said, you will have, you're not going to have, so all these other nations, they had their idols, they had their, their little gods, they're all over the place, and the, the Philistines had Dagon, and they had all these gods, Nebo, and they had all these gods, Bel, and they had all these gods that you could see, that you could touch, that you could create. But how in the world can you create an image of an omnipotent God? How in the world can you create an image, come on, of an omnipresent God? How in the world can you create an image of an eternal God? You can't. Why did God set this up? Because he said this. He says, the relationship that I want to have with you is not based on what you can create with your mind and your intellect. The relationship that I want to have with you is spiritual. And so it's going to be your spirit to my spirit. That's why Jesus said that the Father is seeking a company of people, a type of worshipers, who are going to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And by the way, you can't just worship with spirit without the truth. That's going to get messy. 
And you can't just worship with truth without the spirit. That's religion. That's boring. That's what Jesus was talking about. And so you can't. You look, you have a God who wants to meet you spirit to spirit, and you can never fully describe him. He keeps unfolding. He's Jehovah Rapha, my healer. He's Jehovah Nisi, my banner. He's Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He's Jehovah Shalom, my peace. He's Jehovah Sidkenu, my righteousness. He's Jehovah Shalom. Come on. He is nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. The absence of everything that is harmful. The presence of everything that is good. And every perfect gift that comes from the Father, from the Father of lights, is, comes from a God above. You can't describe him. And so God said, this is the type of relationship that I want to have with you because if you could create me, then you will limit me. If you could form me, but I'm going to live outside of that. I'm going to live outside of what, what you think I should look like. And so that's why, that's why when, when God begins to speak to your spirit, it puts you outside of your senses because we're sense-orientated. We live in the flesh. Come on, somebody. And so sometimes God says, I want to put myself outside of that, and I want my spirit to pour into your spirit. And so then all of a sudden, God's spirit begins to speak to your spirit, and then your spirit can inform the rest of you what's going on. And so then all of a sudden, God says, Here, here's, here's how it works. I'm going to give you a peace that is beyond your intellect, your cognitive abilities. Come on, somebody, your mental state. I want to give you a peace that is beyond your understanding. And because and, and, I, I, I don't want to have a relationship with you that's intellectual. I don't want to have a relationship with you that you can just, you know, we can have a, we can be cognizant. I'm going to come every time I come to you. I'm going to blow your mind one more time. And so, and so, so the peace that comes upon you is a spiritual peace that your mind cannot come up with, but it fills you to a place where every intellectual thing that you look at your life, if you think about what's going on in your life, you realize this is not going to work. The facts are stacked up against me. The doctor said this. My bank account said that. Come on, somebody. But, 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 but there's a peace that is, has been deposited in my spirit. See, sometimes we got to get in tune with the spirit, with our spirit, and not just look at the facts that are stacked, and the attacks and the lack and the yakety yak because God's got your back get some Scooby snacks but you have an assurance in your spirit that bears witness with God's spirit and you realize that what I have inside of me the world can't give and the world can't take away it's not a flesh thing. It's not a man thing. It's not a you thing. It's not a me thing. It's a spirit thing that comes from the spirit of God. And the church said. Okay, so we arrive at the scripture. Watch this because let me land this plane. And we arrive at the scripture and there's this false God, this false image that's set up. And it's set up. It's a Nebuchadnezzar Babylonian worship set up. 
It's a set up. And it's in the flesh. So you're going to be under duress. And if you don't obey, you're going to be stressed. But there's a few people out there who are not going to acquiesce because they're not going to give their best worship in the atmosphere of oppressed worship. And they're not going to bow down worship in this messed up worship. Instead, they're going to stand up when everyone else is bowing down. I'm going to stand up when everyone else is bowing down. It's about worship. And so we have this test. Has anyone ever been through a test? How many growing up, when you were growing up, you didn't like tests? How many knows sometimes when you take a test that you don't prepare so you don't do your best? This is a test, and it's about worship. And so, I don't know about you, but, you know, I see sometimes biblical characters, kind of like movie actors. And for some reason, I have Nebuchadnezzar pinned as Johnny Depp. I don't know what it is. It's just, I just, you know, so you just. <laughs> off with their heads. And, and Nebuchadnezzar, you know, they went through this first set. And he's looking out, you know, the, 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 the lute, the harp, the lyre, the, 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 the psaltery, the symphony. All begin to play the music. It's a concert. And here they are in this place, and, and, and Nebuchadnezzar sees, wait a second, do I see three people standing up? Uh, bring them to me. And he realizes who it is. It's his homies. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here we go. Let's flow. Why aren't you bowing at my show? Don't you know? And can I, can I go for a couple more minutes? I'm going to anyway. It doesn't matter. I, mean. I came to Cali, 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 and I came for some Mexican food. Mexican. And in Georgia and the South, they just don't have the same... There's, there's, okay, listen, there, there are Mexicanos in, 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 in Georgia, and they make the food for gringos. <laughs> and I go into the restaurant, I'm like, come here, come here, come here. <laughs> I don't want anything on this menu. I want what's inside the kitchen right there. What are you making for y'all? That's what I want right there. I, I want the barbacoa. I want the flavors. Come on, I want your flavors. I don't want none of this stuff, this watered-down Olive Garden white people stuff. <laughs> Tell it like it is. Make it plain. <laughs> and so Nebuchadnezzar's like, homies, listen, um, <laughs> fellas, um, you ain't bowing down. Um, we saw you. And so what I thought I'd do is um, I'm going to check in with you because I like you. We're homies. 
you're smart. And I don't want you to make a stupid mistake. Can I just, this is, this is, this is the, the, the Patrick Kiley paraphrase right here. And, and so, so what I need you to do is, when the music starts back up, the muse. Muse. There's more to music than meets the eye. There's something that goes into your soul. And let me just throw this out here. In the church world, I'm tired of soulish music. I like soulful, but not soulish. But we need to, spiritual music. There's soulish preaching. I live in the South. We have soul food. But if I eat too much soul food, I grow. Look at Pastor Patrick. He done growed. Having fried catfish and biscuits and gravy. It's soul food. So don't make a stupid mistake, homies. Um, when the muse ick, starts up, I want you to bow down. And so all of a sudden, John is, yep, I mean, Nebuchadnezzar. And a one, and a two, and a, hold it. Nebuchadnezzar, we got a word for you. Number one, we really don't need to answer you. This is a killer they're talking to. You got to understand the depth of who they're talking to here. This guy, he pillages nations. He mows them down. And they said, um, we don't need to answer you in this matter. Um, can, I, can, I, can I go Oaktown on you for a minute? Uh, Nebby, uh, we don't roll like that. Um, it ain't going to happen. Um, we don't bow down in Babylon worship sets. And, uh, I, mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, you, you, you got it going on up here. You know, you got Cardi B and you got Usher. You got, you got Jay-Z and Beyonce. And you got the beasts. It's marshmallow is back there, just bah, just going. I mean, this place is just monster. You know what I'm saying? Travis Scott up in the room. And they got the beat. This is cool. The lights are cool. The smoke is cool. Don't get me wrong. This is this is this is the best concert we've ever been to in our life. This is this is amazing. I mean, your musicians can play, your singers can sing, your lute and your harp and your but Kang, we can't do what you're asking for. We're not going to bow down. And when they make the statement, all of a sudden, we have a showdown of gods. Because the question is not... Do you worship? It's who you worship. Because everybody worships. Everybody worships. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And so Nebuchadnezzar asked the question of the hour. 
because he gets mad. He's starting to get mad here. And he's like, um, <laughs> um, let me ask you guys a question. Because you're really getting bold. You're out, you're out on the edge here. You're out on a limb. Um, who's God is going to deliver you from my hand? <laughs> Which God has delivering capabilities? Um, I know all the gods out there. I've seen them. I've kicked them over. I know them all. Which God can, can beat me? And here are these guys um, just keep getting bolder and bolder. It's amazing how, come on somebody, when you're in the midst of the fire, you get bolder and bolder. And all of a sudden, they say, we're going to let you know something. Let it be known to you, O Kang, that our God is the one who will be doing that. And if he wants to deliver us, he'll deliver us. But you got to understand something. We will not be bowing down to your vile Mixed up, mixture, mixtape, worship set up, nah, brah. And so you guys know what happens. And a one, and a two, and a three. And the music starts. And all of a sudden, the sound goes forth. And the nations, and the peoples. And the languages bowed down, but three stood up in this place. They stood up in this place. They got it. And they said, we will not bow down. All of a sudden, Nebuchadnezzar's face is full of fury. It's fiery. And he tells his people, hear this. Turn the fire up seven times hotter. Now, why in the world would they turn the fire up seven times hotter? The fire was already hot enough to melt gold. I was meditating on this. I mean, you light a match, it's hot. It's hot. And it's amazing. Why would they do that? Well, here's what I came up with. I believe. Can I sit here for a minute? I believe that they raised the temperature hot enough for the Son of God to manifest. <laughs> Somebody's sitting there going, it's getting hotter and hotter. And hotter. And he's like, keep, let it keep getting hotter. Because I'm going to manifest. Do you hear the stories of what happens in the Middle East? In Iran? In Saudi Arabia? Do you hear the stories in Medina and Mecca of what's happening? Where Jesus appears in villages? In a persecuted environment? where the heat is turned up hotter seven times 
where you can just be killed or even the understanding that you're a Christian. They understand, hear that, and they could kill you and your family and your grandma and your grandpa and all your kids and your cousins and everybody because it's seven times hotter. But the Son of God is manifesting in these places and whole villages are getting saved and families are getting saved because Jesus is manifesting in the atmosphere of seven times hotter. And I was sitting there thinking, why would he turn it up seven times hotter? So that the Son of God could manifest. Which takes me to Revelation chapter 1. And all of a sudden, there's seven golden furnaces. Seven golden candlesticks. And there's someone standing in the middle of the church age. And his name is Jesus. Because he says, wherever it's turned up seven times hotter, I manifest there. So you know the story. Nebuchadnezzar looks into the fire that they're thrown into. And number one, they're walking around. Woo! The guys who threw them in burned up by just throwing them in there. Can I talk to somebody up in here? It's so hot that the people who are assigned to throw you in there to get burned, get burned themselves. Four for four. And they're walking around. Ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party because the Holy Ghost party don't stop. <laughs> See, somebody in this room has been walking around in the fire. It should have killed you. You should be dead right now. Whoo, come on. You should be six feet under right now. Whoo, you should have thrown in the towel and given up by now. But, 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 but for some reason, you're in the fire. Hi. And there's a, there's a Holy Ghost swag to you. You know what I'm saying? You're just like, what's up? I'm not being consumed. I'm not being burnt up. I'm not burnable. What's going on? High five, homies. What's up? I'm not going to burn. I'm fireproof. And not only am I fireproof, but wait a second. There's somebody else in here. We are not alone. Sorry, Michael Jackson just came. You are not alone. I am here with you. Sorry. Um, you are not alone. I got to speak this into your spirit. You are not alone. I want somebody to grab that. You are not 
alone. So you got to take that and just, you are not alone. You're not all by yourself. And Nebuchadnezzar, he looks and he says, I see four men walking around. Did we not throw in three? Wait a second. They're not hurt. Wait a second. I turned that thing up seven times. They said, turn up. Wait a second. That fourth one He is in the form of the Son of God. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I want you to hear this, because I'm landing this now, I think. You realize you've stepped into a place that you've never been to before. It's a place that defies the odds. It defies the laws of nature. It don't make sense in the natural. You enter into this place and you're like, whoa, where are we? I've known God in different seasons. I've known God in different ways. I've praised God whoo, for what I've known about him. I've prayed to him in those seasons. But we have stepped into a different place. A place that is designed to kill us. A place that is designed to be the end of us. We've stepped into a place and there is a person that is with us. Where all of a sudden I can join with Psalm chapter 66 when David began to sing, we've been through the fire. We've been through the flood. You've allowed men to ride over our heads, but thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place. We've stepped into a wealthy place. We've stepped into a place called Revaya. We've stepped into a place called fulfillment. We've stepped into a place called satisfaction. We've been on a journey, baby. We've been through some tough times. We've experienced difficulties here and there and everywhere. But guess what? I got news for somebody up in here. We are still here. And then all of a sudden you start hearing, was it Diana Ross? I'm coming out. Was that Diana or Tina? Which one was that? That was Diana. I thought so. Okay. Sorry. Now I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm in the, wizard of, the wizard, wizard of Oz. Uh, um, the Wiz. Uh, I'm coming out. They step out of the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar has a revelation. There ain't no high like the most high. There is no God like your God. You start hearing the confession of kings. Come on, somebody. Of tyrants, of killers. 
And he starts worshiping. I mean, one of the best worship songs in the Bible is Daniel chapter 3 later on in the scripture where Nebuchadnezzar, can you imagine Nebuchadnezzar worship set? Turns into Nebuchadnezzar worship. God set. It's not him any longer. He's like, there is no God like Jehovah. And he's, he makes an announcement. He's like, everybody, we're going to have a switch of worship services here. <laughs> the little G has to go because the big G is up in here. And so, Pastor Mary, you can come. And then all of a sudden, because I got I to gotta speak to somebody. I'm prophesying to somebody here. Somebody say, all of a sudden. Four, four, four. All of a sudden, Nebi says, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, I have a word for you. See, some of you, you need to hear this word. In the midst of Babylon, God's raising up a company of people in the midst of confusion who walk in integrity and in spiritual gifts. If you want to know how to make it through Babylon, you walk in integrity and you move in the gifts. There's a release of the gifts in this hour. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are being released in this hour. This is not a dog and pony show from the pulpit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are for the body and the saints, the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so I say to you, prophesy. Speak the word of the Lord. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Ha! Begin to give people words of wisdom, words of knowledge. God's going to begin to give you words of discernment for people. Woo, you're going to speak encouragement. You're going to speak edification. You're going to speak life. There's a release of the gifts in this hour. God's people. How do you make it through Babylon? You move in the gifts. Because guess what? There'll be showdowns like Elijah on Mount Carmel where 430 prophets are up there screaming and yelling, having a fire contest with you. And you're all by yourself. But you say, guess what? Let the fire fall. Let the fire come. Let the glory come. And God will meet you in that moment. It's time to move in the gifts. How do you make it through Babylon? You move in the gifts and you walk in integrity. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a king's meat. They would not bow. Nebuchadnezzar's like, woo, I just gave God glory. And when he worships, then he looks at these three guys. Y'all done this. You know what's going to happen to you? Promotion. Do I, do, I, do I need to put a thus saith the Lord right there? Because promotion is not just, I want you to hear this. Promotion is not just about moving up. It's about moving out. Don't, don't, don't make me talk an hour about that. Because we think in steps. Promotion. We think in steps. But God thinks in height 
and in depth and in breadth and in width. It's beyond what we can imagine. We think promotion is in steps. I'm, I'm moving on up to the east side. No, no, no. God says, guess what? Jabez, I'm going to enlarge your territory. As far as the eye can see. As far as the eye can see. Abraham, look to the north, look to the south, look to the east, to the west. As far as the eye can see, that's what I have given unto you. I'm giving all this to you. I'm going to enlarge your territory, says the Spirit of the Lord. Can somebody say promotion? Promotion. Promotion, says the Spirit of the Lord. So I'm closing with this because they're going to give me some enchiladas. Y frijoles, y taquitos, y burritos, y chips and salsa. I'm bearing witness with this prayer sermon today. But I declare to you by the word of the Lord that even as the fires turned up seven times, celebrate because your worship's changing there's fire worship there's fire intercession there's fire come on somebody praise where you begin to praise him in ways that you could never praise him before you're going to be amazed at what God's going to do and you're going to praise in some crazy ways because you're out of the fire now baby you said we've been there whoo We've been through it, and now we're stepping into it. We're stepping into promotion. We're stepping into a new place in God. We're stepping into a new authority in the Spirit. We're stepping into a new influence that God's giving us in this hour. We're stepping into places that we've only dreamed of before. We're stepping into government arenas. We're stepping into education arenas. We're stepping into media and entertainment and the arts. We're stepping into sports. We're stepping into, into education, onto campuses, universities, high schools, junior highs, primary schools. We're stepping into places that you could never imagine. And we're going to be who God's called us to be. But the promotion. Hear this and I'll close. Por favor. The promotion. I'm going to hand the mic to you. Who's taking it? The promotion is not only going to affect your bottom line and move you into a new house with a new car. The promotion. I'm sitting down. I'm already sitting down. Because I'm done after the set sentence. The promotion. It's going to cause you to step into a new dimension of authority, says the Spirit of the Lord. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit EncounterJesus.us or search for Encounter Church San Leandro in your app store.